I greet you in Jesus' worthy name, and I have been blessed to be with you this morning thus far in the devotional and thinking about David and his heart's cry to God and, and in the songs and uh, also the Sunday school class. Very, uh, very uh, enriching time already, and it's been good to be here. I want to bring you greetings from Shalom Congregation, and um, we were an outreach congregation at one time too. And uh, now we're looking to do an outreach, and so that's uh, that's what's on our plate for uh, Lord willing the coming year. And uh, thank you for your prayers for Twyla as well, and Tony and her family. Um, she is at home right now. She had a treatment, and um, <clears throat> yeah, we just need to leave her in God's hands. There's really not. Uh, any guarantees in, in that business, but God knows all, and uh, we seek his face. So, This morning for a message, I would uh, like to uh, consider the title, uh, When God's People Doubt. Um, I did uh, struggle for quite a while with a message like this. How can we do a message like this without creating doubt <laughs> and being a negative uh, impact on people? But... Um, the fact of the matter is that as we begin to look in the Bible, we will find out, and we found out with Job too, that God's people struggle with God sometimes. And, and things happen or come into our lives that we don't understand, and, and we struggle with it um, and wonder, where is God? And sometimes there's younger people too that... Um, you know, we do things because this is what we've been taught our lives, and we've been taught that this is right. And we might not know the reason behind it. And so we, uh, somebody may give us some bad information somewhere along the way. Um, you have an ungodly friend or whatever, and you begin to wonder, is what I believe really true? And you begin to struggle with some doubts. And... Um, <clears throat> Satan would like to undermine our faith and destroy us in that way. And it is a tactic that he has been using all along. He used it with Eve in the garden, doubting that God really had their own goodness at heart. Um, he says, God knows that when you eat this fruit, you're gonna, it's going to better you. You're going to know good and evil, and, and it's just going to, which was a total lie. But it created some doubt, I believe, in her mind. And, and in today's world, we know that there are those who are actively working to create doubt in people's minds. But I'd like to just, um, here's a few statements, some people that we are possibly looking at a little bit this morning in the Bible, but some statements that were made, and you tell me who made this statement. Where did it come from? Um, here's a statement from Matthew the book of Matthew, and the question is this, Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? Who made that statement, or to whom? Disciples of John the Baptist. Okay, ask Jesus that. John sent them to ask him that question. Whoa, well, we'll look at that a little later. Here's another one. Um, o thou of little faith, Wherefore didst thou doubt? That one's a little more obscure, maybe. 
O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Yes, Jesus mentioned, made that statement to one of the disciples, actually, in this case. It was just one. That was Peter. Do you remember the occasion? He was out on the water and he looked around and saw the big waves. Exactly, yes. That was when Peter had stepped out of the boat and began to sink. And Jesus immediately saved him. Uh, here's another question that was asked by, well, I better not say. Will you also go away? Will you also go away? It's in the book of John. Okay, Jesus said it to his disciples. He had given some hard teachings. And um, we'll possibly look at that just briefly later on. And a lot of people left and didn't follow anymore. And so Jesus asked them that. Here's another one. Somebody said this, and this is just the beginning and the end of the quote. He said, except I see, and he gives the things he needed to see, I will not believe. Thomas. Thomas, Thomas and he stated it to Jesus, yes. And here's one to maybe um, shock your sensitivities a little bit. Curse God and die. Job's wife said it to Job. Exactly. People that ever were having a little trouble with God, trouble with doubts. <clears throat> I'd like to look at some verses. Um, and I think we will start with, um, well, I just mentioned this, that if you go to W.E. Vines and look up the word doubt and faith, there is quite a bit listed there. Um, doubt carries the idea of being perplexed. Uh, another meaning is of little faith. Another way it's used in James is to waver. He that wavereth has the idea to stand in two ways. It's like a wave of the sea. Uncertainty and anxiety. And we know that doubting is a great part of anxiety. And um, there are other things that we can doubt. Some people doubt their forgiveness in Christ. Uh, we go to 1 John 1, 9 and we say, you know, we understand this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we uh, know that that's a promise, but yet sometimes we uh, allow Satan to, to cause us to doubt. But let's look at the first one here. I'd like to go to Matthew um, chapter 11 and also to John for this one. This is about John the Baptist and um, the time that he uh, questioned sent his disciples to question Jesus, and he was, you know that John was the prophet, the forerunner, the one who ate locusts and wild honey, and he, he uh, Jesus says that he was like Elijah in a lot of ways, and um, he sent his disciples, um, chapter, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, now when John heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? I'm going to move on back to 
John chapter 1 and, and look at a few things about John the Baptist here. And, and um, when Jesus heard this, you know, my thoughts would have been to rebuke John, right? I mean, here he was. John was the one, if anybody should have known that Jesus was the Christ, it would have been John. Listen to what all John experienced regarding Jesus. In, in John chapter 1, verses 29 and on, here's what it says. And the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him, and he saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. This is the one I've been looking for. This is the one who God has sent. This is he of whom I said, After me cometh a man which is preferred before me. For he was before me, and I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore am I come baptizing with water. This is the whole reason that I'm preaching. And John bare record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it bowed upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, Upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. John was a preacher. John was sent to proclaim that Christ is coming. John saw Christ and um, Christ actually asked to be baptized of John. And the uh, heavens opened and the Spirit descended. And there was a voice um, verses 35 here and on down through. Um, John experienced that. And yet, John was put in prison. And as he sat in that prison cell, John experienced things that he didn't think he'd ever experience. And he began to wonder, was I wrong? And he began to have doubts. This great forerunner of Christ. How is Christ going to respond to that? <clears throat> I had to think about the story of the account of Billy Graham. When he was um, younger and in his ministry, he was preaching with another man. A, a, uh, some people called him Chuck Templeton. I think it was George Templeton. And they, they would preach together and have, have revival meetings. And this uh, Chuck Templeton began to struggle with uh, the truth of God's word. And Satan was working on him hard. And he saw some things going on in the world. He wondered why people had to die of starvation and little children. And it began to be a problem and he began to have doubts. And he began to work on, on uh, Billy Graham. And Billy Graham struggled a bit too and he wasn't sure. Um, of what he believed about the Bible. Was it really true? Well, Billy Graham went out and he, uh, he asked the Lord. He's committed to the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow your word. I'm going to take it as truth and I'm going to preach it the way you called me to. And God strengthened him and encouraged his heart and he did. Mr. Templeton lost out. And um, he spent his life not preaching the gospel anymore, but living the life that he wanted to live. And um, at the very end of life, um, Lee Strobel visited 
George Templeton. So did Billy Graham. Mr. Templeton had uh, Alzheimer's or Parkinson, I forget which. And he knew he was dying. He didn't have a lot of time to live. And he kind of expressed a wistfulness about the belief that he had in Christ in the days when he walked with the Lord and a desire. But he still, in his mind, he could not, he felt, believe. And I'm not sure how that all ended. They were, they were visited a, a, more than once there. But um, he lost his faith. Well, John the Baptist was here at a place of struggle. And, and I'm just blessed as we think about struggle and doubt. And we think about how Christ responded to him in this. Uh, I like his answer to the disciples. Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. And that's in Matthew chapter 11, verses 4 and, uh, and so on, and 5. He said, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whoever is not offended in me. He told his disciples, listen, you go back to John. John's struggling right now. But you go back and you tell him what's happening. Tell him again. Gave him a reassurance, just a loving, kindly reassurance that I am the one who is to come. Tell him, you know what, I understand that you're struggling. And I'm not going to cut you off. Here's some verses I like. Matthew chapter 12, verse 20 says this, A smoking flax will I not quench, and a bruised reed will I not break. I love that. Jesus is saying, look, for those who are my people, but they're struggling, and their flame is smoldering, and they need a little help. They need a little breath of wind to bring it back to a flame. He said, I'm not going to quench it. And a bruised reed, if you've been bruised and injured and hurt, and you're struggling with God. He said, a bruised reed will I not break. He said, I'm here for you. I understand when your faith wavers. And I've had that in my life. When things have happened. And I struggled with it. And um, I needed, needed his help. He does not cut us off in that time. But he, he uh, lovingly, kindly says, look, I'll tell you again. This is how it is. This is who I am. This is what I came for. And this is the mission that I'm going to fulfill. That's Jesus' response to his children that struggle. Let's go look at um, John chapter 20 and uh, just take a notice of Thomas here and what happens in his life. You have to love Thomas. He was a doubter for sure. And... Um, Kind of got that label put on him, but probably a little bit unfairly. But Thomas is one of the disciples. He, he walked with that group for three years with Jesus and his disciples. He experienced the things they experienced. He saw what took place. The miracles that Jesus did. Feeding of the 5,000. He was there for all of it. And uh, the Last Supper. And he was there when the soldiers came the mob, and took Jesus away. He saw Jesus crucified and put to death. So he knew Jesus was dead. There was no doubt in his mind. He knew Jesus was dead. 
And so the disciples were together after Jesus' death and resurrection. And if we go to chapter 20, verse 19 of John, it says that in the same day at even, being the first day of the week, and the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. Whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. There he was. He wasn't there when Jesus showed himself to the disciples the first time. He was missing. I don't know why. I don't know if he was struggling with something and just couldn't bear to go. I don't know what it was. But he wasn't there. He was absent. And so he missed out on that initial experience of meeting Jesus. And so the rest of the disciples, the other ten at this point, were there. And they met Jesus. And when they saw Thomas again, they were excited. They said, we saw the Lord, and he's alive. Now, Thomas knew these men. He spent three years with them, and he knew them. He refused to believe what they said. He said, I will not believe unless I see it for myself. He said, there's nothing you can say, there's nothing you can tell me that I'm going to believe. Your words are not going to do it. I'm not going to believe. Here we see that belief does, does um, have some roots in our will. That's part of our belief. We decide. Thomas had decided that he was not going to believe. It made a decision. I will not believe. And um, there is a certain sense to that as far as each one of our lives as well. We do need to make a decision. We come to a point of decision. When we are faced with the facts or the truth, we do need to decide, will I believe this or will I not? Do I want to be a believer or do I not? There are some people who find out the truth and when they hear it and they know what the truth is, there may be some reasons in their life, some changes they'd have to make and they don't want to believe it. And so they decide that they will not. I remember a fellow years ago, we used to go into, in Danville, there was North Central Secure Treatment Center it was young boys that were, oh, I don't know, before the age of 18, but they were in razor wire. They were locked up because they were not uh, fit to be freed. And they had guards there. And I remember the one guard, we would go in there. I don't remember how often we went in, if it was once a month or what it was. But I got to talking with him, and, and, he, and we talked about the gospel, and he understood that. And, and um, he had led a pretty rough life. And the question came up about giving his heart to the Lord. And he said, well, he said, I'd like to, but I'm not sure if I can remain faithful. And as I thought about it later and I talked to some others that knew him, he said, well, 
he has some things going on in his life that would need to change. And uh, he knows it. And he feels like he would not be willing to make those changes. So he probably decided, made a decision against believing, accepting what he really knew to be true. But Thomas here, he had made a decision that he had to see. And the Lord did in that case, he honored that. When Jesus came, he, uh, he um, eight days again later, the disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then he saith to Thomas, he went right to Thomas, and he said, Thomas, reach to your finger, <laughs> and behold my hands. Reach to thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Thomas, I'm here. Go ahead. You said this is what it will take. Well, here's what it is. You can believe. And he showed him himself. And Thomas believed. There's some other things Jesus said that are very significant here. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are they that take the truth of the word of God and the um, disciples' account eyewitness account of seeing Jesus and have believed on account of that. Blessed are those. That's us right here who have taken the truth of the word of God and acted on it and believed. Dispelling doubt. Decisions of the will have a part in that. Um, I'd like to look at Peter yet and Peter's and then we'll, we'll look at some applications and Peter um, in Matthew chapter 14, he's out in the boat with Jesus. No, Jesus isn't in the boat. That's right. He's out in the boat with the disciples. And as a storm comes up, and they're afraid. Verse 22 gives us the beginning of the account. Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship to go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. Peter was a man of action. And um, he always, you know, he spent his life earning his living on that Sea of Galilee. And he'd been in storms. And he knew what storms could do. And I... I wouldn't doubt maybe he had some of his crew lost, drowned at sea. I don't know what would have happened in Peter's experience in his years there. Certainly he would have had friends who would have lost their lives on a fishing boat. And he knew the dangers of the water. And it was stormy. This was not a glassy sea. The ship was now in the midst of the sea and it was tossed with the waves for the wind was contrary. 
And so Peter stepped out of the boat. At Jesus' bidding, Jesus told him to come, and he stepped out onto that water which he knew could kill him. And as he was taking some steps away from the boat, I visualize him now being between the boat and Jesus, too far from the boat to turn around and grab it, not quite yet at Jesus. And he begins to look around a little bit and to begin to see what the troubles are that he's got himself into. And um, maybe he begins to remember that it's very deep and that some friends of his went to the bottom. I don't know. But he starts to sink. And um, his faith is shaking. But I like what he did. And he cried out. He was afraid. You imagine Peter being afraid? The winds were boisterous and he was afraid and he was beginning to sink. And he cried saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And that's where Jesus says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know, I think one of the things with doubt and that type of thing is we need to recognize and realize that it is serious and it is dangerous. And if those questions and those doubts that are in our minds are just pushed down and not dealt with uh, and left to fester and grow under the surface, they can become huge problems as time goes on. They can get bigger and bigger. And um, I know of a young man right now who has, there's more than one, that has declared that they don't believe in God anymore. And uh, better it would have been to have dealt with some of the doubts earlier in life and come to Christ with those and, and went to a good source. But the thing I want to get from Peter here is a motivation to uh, find help and to get answers to those doubts that come. Peter knew that he needed help and he knew he was in trouble and he had cried out to God, to Jesus, come, save me. And Jesus immediately says, stretched forth his hand and caught him. And I think that when we have doubts, let's remember that they are a dangerous thing. And let it be a motivation. Let's find out what we need to know. Let's find some answers to uh, questions that are in our minds. Let's deal with the attacks of Satan that come and um, begin to cultivate a relationship with Jesus Christ and with his people. There are often answers. There are some things we don't have answers to, but there are often uh, doubts come from our lack of knowledge. I know sometimes people can make us doubt the Bible itself. And a lot of that comes from our lack of really knowing some things about the Bible and how we got it and God's speaking through the Holy Spirit and, and how many different uh, writers he used and how it all ties together and speaks about Jesus Christ. Um, I think about the, um, some of the questions in life that people have sometimes that cause them to doubt God. Here's a question, and a lot of these are based on a false premise. How could a loving God allow, and then you could fill in the blanks, children to starve in Africa or bad things to happen to good people? probably heard that one. Where is God when Twilight gets this cancer? And uh, how could God allow 
bad things that happen to good people. There are a couple of false premises in a statement like that one. And uh, one of them is, as we think about good people, who are the good people? Well, Romans has an answer for that. There are none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.10 and 3.23 uh, tells us pretty clearly. If we would see ourselves probably the way Job saw himself, we would understand that humanity is not good. Humanity is fallen. And anything that is good, none of us gets what we really deserve completely. Uh, but we are... Blessed by the grace of God. And God gives us what is good uh, in, in salvation and, the, and, and in the promise of eternal life if we come to him. And so the short answer is that bad things don't really happen to good people. Bad things do happen to redeemed people sometimes. But God knows about that. What about life in general? God created all lives. They're his. A little bit like your, your yard, your bushes in your yard. You planted them, and you, you determine how long you're going to keep them there, and you can take them out again. God does that with lives. In fact, God actually gave all physical life, and God will take all physical life as well. All men die. So God gave it, and God takes it. The difference is when God decides to take it. And it is his right to do that. You can't go into someone else's yard and take their bushes out because they're not yours, but you can do it in your own. And um, God owns life, and what he does is, is right. Um, there's a book called The Case for Faith, and some of those things are in it if you'd like to read it. He, uh, he um, helps to bring some understanding to things sometimes we get a little bit of a twisted sense of reasoning and then we, we don't think of God in the right sense a little bit like uh, God told Job about his three friends you're not saying the thing about me that's right <laughs> you're thinking down a wrong trail and um, you need to change your thinking <clears throat> but I want to just pull a few lessons here talked about a motivation to find help when we realize we have doubts. We need to pray and seek God. Um, to have doubts um, does not cut us off from being a child of God. And it's something we're going to all experience sometimes in life. But it's not a place to stay. It's not where you want to stay. It's a place to move through and, um, and to find, find answers and find people of God that can help you through it. It's a time to feed on the Word of God, not to feed on things like Richard Dawkins and that kind of thing. There's, there have been many who started to feed their doubts, and um, that's very, very destructive. You think about Thomas. He was an unbeliever among the believers when they met the second time. He did not believe. However, he was there, and he met with them. He spent time with people who believed, and he was rewarded for that by having faith and, and gaining faith. Um, there are times when we are struggling, when we're wavering, that it's just a good time to keep on doing what we know is right 
meeting with people who do have faith and seeking God to help us in our time of struggle. Here's a definition of obedience that I like. Obedience is staying the course when we can't see the way. And there are times in life, if we're assailed by doubts, that that might be just the best course to take for now. God will help us and reveal things and clear things with us uh, if we seek him. Spend time with people of faith like uh, Thomas did. And I think about John the Baptist. There are times to just again look at some of the basic truths that are in the Word of God. Like Jesus told John's disciples, you go back and tell him again. There are times that we need to be reminded again. Read the book of John. Read the book of 1 John. These things are written that ye might believe. Then you might know that Jesus is the Son of God. Things are written that you might know. There's times when we need to do that. Um, there are times when we just need to prepare ourselves too. You know, the Bible tells us many places to watch and be sober and be vigilant. And um, John, Matthew 24, 12, um, there's just a, a phrase from there. He, Jesus said, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. We do know that um, there are warnings different places in Scripture about the last days and how there will be an increase of evil. And we need to make preparations for this. Expect our faith to be tried. Uh, Expect that iniquity will abound in the world and that it will do battle with our faith. And uh, prepare ourselves to stand and um, knowing that Christ foretold these things. They that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Things will not always be easy. That does not mean God abandoned us or doesn't love us, but it just means that we are living in perilous times. There are other things that we really should be doing. If we go to Psalm 78, 1-7, and I don't think I'll read that, but he talks about telling the stories of God's greatness in the past and what, how God delivered the uh, children of Israel. And those stories need to be told to your children. I think you all probably have stories of how God led you to where you're at. I don't know how you all got here, but there's a story behind each one of those of God moving in your life and drawing and pulling you and doing a work. Maybe God put people in your life to help direct you. Well, those are stories And those are stories that really need to be told, and your children should hear those stories about um, how God worked and the times God worked. That's a way to build faith and trust in God. The stories of those who have gone on before us, those who are living now. talks about praise and thankfulness, and that's in Psalm 75.1 is one verse there uh, that, that relates to that. But um, praising God, sometimes when we're feeling down and doubtful, it's time to get out a songbook. You know, some of those songs, and I appreciate some of we sang this morning, it just uh, really can help bolster our, uh, our faith and chase doubts away. And I want to look just briefly at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He talks about 
being Christ followers and not personality followers. I know you have good leadership here uh, and uh, thank the Lord for that, but I hope you're not here just following a personality, but that you're following Jesus Christ. And um, so that we, uh, you know, human, human beings will, always, will, will one time or another disappoint us because they're not perfect. And we need to realize and recognize that. And uh, don't expect perfection out of your leaders, good as they are, because you're going to be disappointed sometime. But here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about our faith and where it should be. I, brethren, came, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God, for I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he talks then about his speech. It was, you know, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And here's the reason, that your face should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so we're not here trying to give you all kinds of smart, uh, good-sounding logic and reasoning, but we want to speak by the Spirit of God and by the truth of the Word of God so that your faith is grounded in God and in His power and not in a personality or something else that we might promote. Um, and then I want to just conclude with um, the beginning. We had these statements that were made. And, and let's look at what was said about them. Art thou he that should come, or look we for another? What happened to John's faith here? The Bible doesn't tell us, but we know what Jesus said. He said about John the Baptist, and right after these verses here in John uh, chapter 1, he said, I want to tell you there is none greater born among women than John the Baptist, but he said, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And so, and blessed is he that is not offended in me. John's faith, I believe, was bolstered and uh, dispelled doubts. And he believed the truth about Jesus and who he was. And this one, Peter, uh, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Peter said, we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. We believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of God. I love that. And there's something else. I didn't go to it uh, here in John 6, 67. Will you also go away? Uh, I mentioned that we might look at it more than we should have. But I'll just say this about it. When, when Peter, you can look it up later. When Peter was giving an answer to Jesus, part of his answer was this. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. You need to think about that when there's doubts in your mind. Do I want to let these doubts overcome me? What am I going to serve? Who am I going to serve if I lose my faith? There are some people who are in that position right now, and it's a horrible place to be. They're miserable. They don't have a God to serve. And uh, it's a miserable place. And Peter looked ahead a little bit, and he counted the cost. He said, you know what? I don't want to be there. That's not a good place to be. I want to serve you. We're going to follow you. I'm going to stick with you. 
You have the words of life, eternal life. And of course, we know what Thomas said um, when he made, after he made that statement, except I see the prints of the nails and put my hands in, he exclaimed, my Lord and my God, my Lord and my God. There was a commitment there, and as far as history tells us, he never went back on it. He stayed firm and uh, gave his life for the cause of Christ. My Lord and my God. What about the one curse God and die? Well, I don't know what Job's wife did, but I do know what Job did, and he was the one that was told that. Job said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that one day again he's going to stand on the earth, and he's going to see him. I know that my Redeemer liveth. His faith was bolstered. I believe if we honestly look into the Word of God and face the things that the tempter would bring to try to discourage us, spend time with God's people and in God's Word, our faith can be safeguarded and um, strengthened and chase those doubts away. The power of God. Shall we?